It's Friday, April the 16th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, American sanctions on Russia and China's record GDP growth. First, the world in brief. The Biden administration announced sweeping sanctions against Russia. The Kremlin stands accused, among other things, of trying to meddle in last year's presidential election and for being behind the huge, quote, solar wind cyber attack against the American government and over 100 Western companies. Among several measures announced by the administration, the most striking was a ban on American financial institutions participating in the primary market for Russian bonds. China's economy grew by 18.3% in the first quarter of 2021 compared with a year earlier. The record expansion underlines just how fully the country has weathered the pandemic, although the comparison with the first quarter of 2020, when much of China was locked down, gives the figure a boost. France advised its citizens in Pakistan to leave for their safety. Anger has been simmering for months over France's staunch defence of the right to depict the Prophet Muhammad. However, tensions boiled over after the leader of a far-right Islamist party critical of France was arrested on Tuesday, resulting in several days of violent protest. France's National Assembly approved a controversial bill that would give more powers to police forces. Critics of the bill say it will make it harder to hold officers accountable. One especially contentious section makes helping to identify on-duty officers, quote, with the obvious intent of harming, punishable by up to five years in jail and a fine of €75,000, $90,000. Germany's highest court struck down the Berlin city government's rent control laws, saying that the regulation of the rental market was the purview of federal law. Introduced in two stages last year, the measures originally froze rents for five years and then forced landlords to lower those that exceeded defined limits by over 20%, worsening the city's housing shortage. Turkey's central bank held interest rates steady at 19%, much to the chagrin of those who had hoped for a rate rise to steady the lira and decelerate inflation. Though disappointing, the decision was expected. The bank's new governor, Sahab Kavcholu, shares the unorthodox conviction of Recep Tayyip Erdogan, Turkey's president, that high interest rates cause inflation. And Pfizer's chief executive said that people everywhere are likely to need a third dose of COVID-19 vaccine within 12 months, with annual boosters for the foreseeable future to keep abreast of viral variants. His remarks made on April 1st were disclosed yesterday. The White House said that America is already preparing for the need to administer booster shots. And now here's today's agenda. First guests. Mr. Suga goes to Washington. Japan's Prime Minister, Yoshihide Suga, visits the White House today. He's the first foreign leader to do so since President Joe Biden took office in January. The summit speaks to the Biden administration's focus on the geopolitical challenge from China and its belief in working with allies to manage it. The contrast with Mr. Biden's predecessors has Japanese officials elated. In their eyes, Barack Obama was slow to grasp the first point, and Donald Trump never accepted the second. Last month, the two countries' foreign and defence ministers issued a joint statement. Its criticism of China and support for peace in the Taiwan Strait were unusually direct. The two leaders will probably echo that language while announcing measures to deepen cooperation on key issues such as semiconductor supply chains and Asian infrastructure projects. Yet the summit will also hint at differences over just how bluntly to criticise China and how openly to back Taiwan. Making hay while the sun shines. 
American Bank Earnings It has been a while since banks have announced the kind of stellar earnings they did this week. Returns on equity of well over 20% have not been seen for more than a decade since before the global financial crisis. Yet Citi, JPMorgan Chase and Goldman Sachs posted such returns in the first quarter and Morgan Stanley is likely to do so today. Two factors drive the boom. First, markets have shrugged off their pandemic-inspired lull. A frenzy of trading, mergers, IPOs and equity issuance has generated huge fees for banks. Second, the American economy is improving, helped along by meaty government stimulus packages. This means that the provisions bankers set aside to cover souring loans will no longer be needed. Those reserves can be added back to profits instead, which boosted them by 30% at JP Morgan. Neither factor is likely to be sustained for much longer. But for now, the banks are raking it in. Up and down. China's economy. The headlines just about write themselves. China's GDP soared by 18.3% in the first quarter of 2021 compared with a year earlier, according to data released today. That is its fastest growth on record, underlining the strength of its recovery. Yet the rebound is old news. It has been underway since last March, when China emerged from its COVID-19 lockdown. It is showing up only now in the closely watched GDP data because of the government's convention of focusing on year-on-year growth, rather than on quarter-on-quarter pace that most other countries highlight. Beneath the headlines, there are two important messages. First, the rebound is better balanced. A 34% year-on-year increase in retail sales in March shows that domestic consumption is starting to complement factory production. Second, quarter-on-quarter growth matters more at this point. It slowed from 2.6% to 0.6% as the government reigns in stimulus. For all the talk of a growth surge, momentum is waning. No mass. Castro's not communism. Cuba's ruling Communist Party begins its annual congress today. It will be the last with a Castro in a top leadership role. Raul Castro, who is 89, has run the island since his late brother Fidel became ill in 2006. Having handed over the country's presidency to Miguel Diaz-Canel in 2019, this weekend Raul will step down as party first secretary and commander of the armed forces. Mr Diaz-Canel, a 60-year-old party official, will probably get the first secretary job. The Congress comes at a difficult time for the regime. Thanks to the pandemic and former President Donald Trump's tightening of American sanctions, the economy shrank by 11% last year. Shortages are acute. A long-needed reform that ended Cuba's dual currency system has sparked inflation. And a digitally connected younger generation is chafing at curbs on freedom of expression. The Congress's slogan is, quote, unity and continuity. They are not immediately threatened, but are no longer automatic. Sweet like chocolate, boy. A Mayan urn goes home. There's little sweeter than being reunited with family. After years at Albion College in Michigan, a Mayan urn donated by an alumnus is to be repatriated to Mexico and displayed with its twin. The liberal arts school decided to return it to its, quote, rightful owner. But anyone expecting other Western institutions holding on to controversial artefacts to follow suit may be disappointed. Many national museums are prevented by law from repatriating anything in their public collections. Not all publicly funded institutions are so bound. 
Aberdeen University in Scotland recently announced that it would repatriate to Nigeria a Benin bronze sculpture looted by British troops in 1897. But what is one sculpture against the 900 or so pieces held by the British Museum, 90% of which are kept in storage and out of sight? Though large national collections hold many of the pieces that activists hope to see returned, they may have more luck lobbying private institutions. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Spike Milligan, who was born on this day in 1918. The cliché is the handrail of the crippled mind. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 